On today's Say It Ain't So Sports, we go over the recent development in the NBA, possibly Kyrie trying to limit the season from happening, and we have a full-on MLB rant. Charlie hates Rob Manfred. He gives his take on why he's the worst commissioner of all time. And we'll go over the sham that is the Yankees cheating scandal, just an absolute sham. You'll hear our take on that. Then we come back with our NFL over-under Vegas win totals, part four. It's the last part, the last eight teams. And then the long-gone summer documentary review, Maguire Sosa, home run race. Awesome jam-packed episode. Stay tuned. Just a week up. And we're back. Yeah, so we look like we're on a collision course. We still maybe there's still a very high chance we get NBA basketball. But Kyrie, he's the vice president of the Players Association, and he does not want to play. He wants like I understand what he's saying when he says like um I don't want things to go back to normal because I guess like that's what the whole movement's about, but I don't understand how he thinks by not playing basketball, that's going to solve anything. I think that's just going to hurt basketball and like the community in the long run if you're not having these people in power with the TV cameras on them all the time. So, yeah, he doesn't want to play basketball. He's advocating for the NBA not to come back to take a stand against racial injustice. What do we think of that? Yeah, I, I, I disagree with this. I mean, like, I mean, obviously Kyrie, you know, he's a he's a, he's power in this the vice president, but I think like on the topic of like racial injustice, I think like the NBA could as coming back could use it as a good platform, you know, to like help like fi- fight for like the whole movement that they stand for with like fighting racial injustice, police brutality against like African Americans and minorities. I think it'd be good that the NBA could use their own platform that can connect to so many like millions of people with coming back and they could use that to help aid in the fight against, you know, all the injustices that have happened recently that have been very tragic. Yeah, so Kyrie, another now, he's kind of like, he's always been a crazy guy. We know, like, we know the flat earth stuff. We know his long free agency period. He guaranteed he was coming back to the Celtics. And then by the end, it was a foregone conclusion he was leaving. So he's always been kind of a basket case. He's also proposing that this just came out. He wants the players possibly to start their own league. Not sure quite how that would work, but. Just with a lot of different ideas out there, I don't think Kyrie really has the answer on this one. Yeah, if basketball is such a distraction for fighting racial injustice, I don't understand how starting your own league would really help remedy that at all, especially when you're one of the most powerful players in the league and you actually have the voice to talk to the league and, and try to figure something out. But instead, you'd rather uh, start your own league and like accrue as much power as you can just to, you know, and you're, it, which by your logic would just create another distraction. It just doesn't add up. Um, I mean, I I understand like the Kyrie wants to like support the movement and everything. It is a, it is an important issue, but at the same time, like like basketball, like one of the things that like people like want to see is like basketball. Like I don't want to be like oh like go and play, but like he's like the majority of the NBA wants to go back and play basketball. LeBron, who's also very outspoken about these issues, said he wants to get out there and play basketball. And even though Kyrie is the vice president of the NBA Players Association, um, and LeBron isn't in any, like, official position, uh, like, in the NBPA that, like, I know of at least, fact check me if I'm wrong. Um, LeBron still has more 
power over what the players are going to do than Kyrie Irving. Anyways, like what? And Chris Paul is probably going to listen to LeBron. Chris Paul, the president of the Players Association, is going to probably listen to LeBron just as much as Kyrie. So and to reiterate I, that, you have Patrick Beverly literally tweeting out like, "Yeah, like I understand what everyone's saying, but at the end of the day, if LeBron want to hoop, we're all hooping. Like they're all just going to listen to LeBron. He may not have a." Uh, official position but if he wants to play they're going to play also like i will credit Kyrie in the sense that he isn't alone like with this bizarre stance dwight howard came out and supported him saying i'd love to win my first championship but not at this cost i think some bucks players were also outspoken so like there definitely needs to be a dialogue between the two dissenting opinions in this to come forward to an agreement because i don't think Kyrie can just get shoved aside like obviously the issues he's standing for everyone's standing for so they definitely need to come to some term, some way to protest while playing, I think that's the best case scenario for them. Yeah. Also, in the uh, in the NBA agreement, I believe that they said that like if a if, like players if they don't want to play, like they don't have to play in it. Mm-hmm. Like, so if it, like then that becomes a personal decision for each player. Dwight Howard doesn't have to play. Kyrie Irving doesn't have to play. They can sit out and continue to to like fight for this cause. Like they they don't have to. It, it's up to them. They don't like. They don't have like. It's not their responsibility to choose whether or not other players want to play. Yeah, I'm just gonna like expand on my, my earlier point. I don't know. I'm just confusing as like Kyrie. You know, he's obviously like very big on this whole issue that's going on. Like this whole national discussion that's been occurring for the last few weeks. So I don't. I don't understand why he wouldn't see basketball as like a, honestly a, a better platform for him to get his message out. But also like kind of just like like as like a healing for like our country that's been like in like in like the shitter right now we've been everything's been happening with all the, the terrible things that have been going on piled on with corona i think that like the, the country itself the people they just need like something something that they can enjoy and something to watch and i think in basketball it helped that because basketball basketball is a, it's a diverse game it's a lot of different people from different backgrounds and i think it's like it'll be almost healing to see like just people of different groups and backgrounds just like coming together on a team, and that's why like, sports is always good because it always is like bringing people from different backgrounds together, and it's kind of like an equalizer for people because like everyone, everyone's on the same team; they're all part of the same goal. And I think it just will help return to normalcy, but not and also help um, push the issue further because they can use the NBA as a platform to further fight the, the their cause. Yeah, I think uh, like part of that adding on to is I think Kyrie doesn't view the like bubble uh, league, like being restarted as an opportunity for him because he wouldn't be allowed in the bubble since he's not playing. And I think this is just him wanting to like keep his name out there as like part of the cause. And and, like, if he can't help during the bubble, he's going to try to drag other people out as well. So, yeah, I think that's like a really big thing. Like that you kind of, you have to remember Kyrie would not return. He's out. He's already said he's not going to return. He was going to be out for the season if it went accordingly. So Kyrie not being able to, go it kind of just like i feel like it hurts his viewpoint in a way like in a sense where if he's arguing for them all not to come it's one thing for him to say it because he already can't and another thing is he says he's willing to risk everything for this cause which is very noble like i totally respect that i just don't know if the intenders are there and i don't know if this is the risk to take i think you could do other things you know if you want to risk everything retire like i'm not telling him he has to retire or anything like that but that would be risking everything retiring to be an activist, be a speaker, you know, speak your mind all the time. And so that statement kind of just rubs some people the wrong way. Yeah, and it's hard to take that statement seriously when he's not really risking anything in this because he wouldn't be playing anywhere. 
Uh, he wouldn't really, his team wouldn't have a shot at a championship anyway. He's not really risking anything. Um, like an example, like people like have given up everything to like fight for a cross. Maya Moore in the WNBA, whatever you want to say about WNBA, she retired to be an activist. That's someone that actually uh, like gave everything up to to pursue like like a better life for others. If Kyrie wants to do that, like like these words can mean a lot, but he's not actually risking anything by sitting out of this bubble. Yeah, so like my point before I got cut off, uh, I really just feel like if you don't want to play and you feel, I mean, if you feel so strong in this matter, then don't play. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to stop you from doing it. But I think the best way possible is like if you play and you could use your platform in the interviews and stuff like that. And I think if yeah, when the NBA comes back, rings are going to be at like an all-time high. The exposure is going to be high, so you're going to see it. So I think that uh, if you don't want to play, just don't play. And I think it could actually help out if you play and during the interviews you like voice the uh, the problems that you have. Yeah, and and. Like like you said, and like like we've all said, really, it's it because the NBA is giving you giving the players like the option whether or not they want to play. It's a completely personal decision. Kyrie shouldn't be trying to like, I mean, Kyrie could like try and persuade players, but he shouldn't be trying to ruin it for like everybody in the league that wants to go back and play. It's like they want to go back to work, right? Um, but going back to like people that have risked it all, like you could even make art like. Even like Colin Kaepernick, even though he played a, a full season after he started the whole kneeling thing, like he lost his his job and everything. Like he's not, he hasn't played in the NFL since. Um, whether or not like you think it's because of the um, because of like the protests, but still, like he he doesn't play in the NFL anymore because he. But one of the reasons because he started that and his play wasn't up to par. Kyrie's play is well above the the standard for any NBA owner to like be able to like just deal with it and also like the nba is probably in my opinion like the most open to like having these discussions and going forward yeah. with like helping these movements yeah i was gonna say if there was a league that would uh that would be open to like working with the players on this and be adam silver in the nba it seems to me like Kyrie's not really even giving the league a chance to like work with them on this and i, I think like he's trying to paint a picture that the league is somehow like oppressing his message when he uh, as far as our public knowledge, he hasn't gone to them with any requests for anything or anything like that. And yeah. another point, Kyrie is in like the top like like two percent of salaries in the league. There are a lot of guys, while the salaries are very high, like there there's guys that need to keep collecting checks. And, and for uh, you to like jeopardize this for them, I, I thought it was pretty selfish. From a financial standpoint, yeah, too. Not even just the players; all the employees are going to be paid when the you know the security and all that stuff that need to be paid. And I think, like I've read an article earlier, this would derail the entire NBA's future. Like the salaries would never be back; they wouldn't be able to recover from this. Salary um, cap would plummet. Yeah, the salary cap would plummet. We'll get into baseball in a second on how they may not be able to survive not playing. But yeah, to Charlie's point and to your guys' point with Adam Silver, I think immediately set up like a a foundation or a program to get money into activists and to the kind of cause that they're trying to support. So yeah, if there was a league. That way, they're definitely going to figure something out. I think Kyrie, like, he has good intentions. I just, his heart's in the right place. But, like, just knowing him, I don't know if he's the, if he can get the message across. I don't know if this is the right answer. But at the end of the day, he can do what he wants. No one's going to, like, no one's going to, um, like, bash him if he does whatever he wants. But, like, I don't know. He, I don't think he has the power to bring the whole league down. So I feel like this kind of is just a blip in the radar and we will get basketball back. That's kind of my final, like, opinion on this. I mean, pretty much covered everything there. Yeah. Um, and speaking of, you know, not returning, we have a baseball update. 
Um, it's, I guess, like, there's been so many different updates, so many proposals, all this stuff and bullshit. You kind of, it's kind of hard not to get lost in it. Were they different proposals, though? No. That's the know, thing. That's the yeah. thing. The owners offered the same deal four times in different ways, spreading out the money across different games. Yeah. It's like, it's ridiculous, right? Um, and Manfred, I get that he works for the owners, right? The owners are terrible, but Manfred is also terrible, too, because Manfred, as a mess, like, you can't go out and say, oh, we're guaranteeing baseball to come back 100%, we're coming back, and then go back on your statement five days later. And I knew that that was just not going to happen right when he said, oh, we're playing baseball 100%. Like, that was just never going to happen because the player, it seemed even at that point that the players and the owners are too far away from an agreement, even though it just makes absolutely zero sense because the players and owners literally agreed to something right when the, the quarantine, I guess, hap- like started. Um, but the other reason why they're not coming back, even after the players say, tell us when and where, I'll get to you in a second, Ryan, is that... Um, is because the the um, the owners would lose a grievance case for about like a billion dollars to against the players if they start a season under forty eight games. The players would destroy them in this because the owners have clearly been bargain uh, have been uh have been negotiating in bad faith this entire time. So it's just it's just really pathetic to see the owners just like treat the the players like this, and it's just, it's just really infuriating that that's the reason why we're not going to have baseball this season. Yeah, so let's recap what's changed since our last recording where we bashed the owners for a lot of the issues we just talked about. So Manfred says on the MLB draft special, unequivocally, there will be baseball this year, 100%. We knew that was capped the second he said it. Charlie sent out a tweet. It was a side-by-side of that and just like uh, Google images like baseball hats or caps and shit like that. So we knew like that was just a, Manfred, what are you saying? Like it's better to just shut up. And what's changed is the players – they're really, I really give them credit. They're not falling for the owner's bullshit, and they make the play. They say, what's the tweet that keeps going out? Anytime, anywhere, something like that. Tell us when and where. Tell us when and there. So they're, they're, the ball is in the owner's court. You tell us when we play, where we play, how many games we play. Just give us our full salaries. And this would, this would back up the owners who want to play 50 games. And this is the players letting everyone know, we wanted to play more. This is 100% the owner's. And now the other aspect is the owners are not agreeing to this. And you might say, why? I thought they wanted to play 50-ish games to get this season as short as possible and pay as little as possible. But that's because the players would then file a grievance that says the owners were negotiating in bad faith, which Charlie was explaining. And then we'd be able to not only the owners would get sued for a ton of money, we'd be able to public to get access to their financials. So, you know, we hear these statements left and right. Uh, the Cardinals owner the other day said how it's not very profitable business. We've heard other rumblings like that. We'd know for sure. We'd see all the books. We'd see all the revenue they'd increase. And the owners, knowing that, want that to be the last case scenario. They they will die before that happens. They don't want anyone seeing the money they're making, especially when they've been so stingy on playing as few games as possible. Yeah, I think the general public is just tired of the back and forth from the MLB at this point. Uh like I think most people don't care. It's either you play or you don't. If you don't, there's other things that are come on uh, that are coming on to play. Uh, with that being said, this has been a huge failure by the MLB. Though they had an opportunity to be the first sport back, you know, have all the eyes in the country on them, be the first sport to return from Corona, and uh, instead they they get into basically a strike at this point. Uh, and like in 2020, I definitely think it's not going to happen. Uh, but I don't think 2021 is a guarantee either. Uh, yeah. Like this is going to be an issue that continues. 
this is definitely like a huge hit for baseball. And it's kind of crazy because like I think in May or, or in April, we had a podcast talking about how like baseball had some plan to come back late May. Yeah. They we're going to play in like the spring training facilities and like mm-hmm. be all social distance and stuff like that. Obviously, that was just like a location like uh, th- like idea wasn't anything with like the revenue or anything like that. So, I mean, that was kind of a weird thing. But like we literally thought like they'd be the first sport back, but they're clearly not. And they might not even have a season, which is. Just a a, a, tris, a catastrophic like failure for them for sure. Yeah, and and also I've I've seen a lot of people, um, including like Carabas from uh, Barcelona, like they even said, oh, why don't they just like take the seventy percent and then just do deferred money? Like I've seen people people say that, and that makes that makes complete sense. And the players, though the players don't love the idea of deferred money, they would still take that because they'd still be getting the money that they guarantee. The owners just want to take away like part of the money that the players were given when both parties signed the contract. And it's just ridiculous to see that the owners just decided to get cheap, even though it is like a a downtime economically for the league and for, for the country in general. But the thing is like, they'd be, they'd still make more money. I think even like, like if they had the season, cause they're, cause now they're risking losing the postseason money. They're still going to have to pay Fox. They're still going to have to pay Turner. Um, well, I'll, I want to get into that that new Turner deal in a minute, but they still they're still paying those two entities for the the postseason uh, TV deals, and they're like they're still going to have to pay them if the playoffs don't happen. But they're just like they they're going to lose out on all that revenue. I mean, no, they don't have to pay Turner and uh, Turner and Fox. They pay them, but they're still going to lose out on all that revenue because the because they're not going to play the postseason. Then it's ridiculous. Uh, despite like all the money, and if you look at all the like the books and stuff, the, the economics of it, ba- like Major League Baseball is just is like they're they're just like losing all credibility. Like like as uh, Greggy like mentioned, like during the uh, draft, Manfred's like yeah, hundred percent coming back, and then now it's just it's kind of like regressing every day. Like something worse is just coming out about baseball, and just losing more and more hope. I'm like a huge baseball guy; it's my favorite sport to watch. And now I'm just kind of like baseball has become such an afterthought for me at this point. I'm I'm honestly more excited for like. NHL to come back for some reason because I've just lost all hope in the MLB making a deal with, with the owners and the players. And I think that despite, even if they lose money, it's better to keep your credibility and maybe lose a little bit of money to these billionaire owners. That they, Some of them, a lot of them can afford to take. Even if we get baseball back at this point, it's still a major loss because they had the golden opportunity. They had this plan that Cap mentioned we talked about, backed by the CDC, all this stuff. First sport back for a sport that you know, some graphs came out on Twitter and it's shown the decline of like, what's your favorite sport? And if started baseball way up there, then football passed them and now basketball is just level with them. And even if they come back at this point, it would start just around the NBA. It wouldn't be the July 4th, which was like the prime time start date. We all hope it would be later than that. So it's just crushing. And then to have Rob Manford on the commissioners, they had a return of sports where they had six major commissioners. And Manfred's up there, and it's just a joke because he said it's a disaster. He said it right. You have all these sports with plans in place, and baseball is just at a stalemate. And it's just a terrible look right now. It was a terrible look to see him even show up to that. I don't know why he bothered, and it didn't help anything at all. Oh, no. Uh, did Chester trash Manfred while I was gone yet? No, I was about to. Oh, great. I'd love to hear. <laughs> all right, so let's. Let's go into the, the timeline of uh, Rob Manfred. So, in 2014, he was hired after Bud Selig retired. How dare um, he? Well, 
What's I mean, this, this, this what? is where you start. I'm, no, really? you, got, you, you, start, did that? you got to you have to start at the beginning. No, and I'll but, actually I'll actually help you, Charlie. He won yeah. on this like weird tiebreaker vote. It wasn't it wasn't a full gone conclusion that he would win the owners. It was like a it was like the narrowest vote for a commissioner in MLB history. Yeah. So owners weren't all in right away. And it wasn't like immediately, but immediately like the first thing that you've ever like you've heard like for baseball. Oh, pace of play is a problem. Pace of play is a problem. One of the like. One of the th- and the way to solve that was like shortening the game. The, like that, like I don't understand that. Like the the problem with baseball all the time is that there was like it's not even a problem. It's just like pitchers are so dominant. You had a, you had a, like a a five year stretch where like two pitchers won MVPs. Like that that doesn't really happen a lot. Where pitchers win MVP as opposed to like a position player. You had Verlander and Kershaw win it in eleven and fourteen. I mean eleven was silly, but I digress. Um. So, so like, what's the, what do you want him to do there? You want him just to tell the public to get over it? <laughs> but because then he starts trying to implement, like, the pitch clock and, like, the three-batter minimum and shit. Like, that's just – that's not baseball. I like the three-batter minimum. I, I, don't, I don't really like the Charlie, pace of play, it's definitely a problem in the younger audience. We're obviously all pretty big baseball guys. I'm down to watch a Yankees game in the summer where the game just goes on forever because I have nothing to the do. The difference – here's the – they need to get I, people in, and I, I guess I don't really. I'm, it's not really changing the game that much, but it's not making any impact whatsoever. I'm, I'm even so, if even if they're not radical changes to improve it, like just putting out the image that you're working on it is gonna is gonna like be a better image for the sport. Mound visit rule is a good rule. I think that's a good rule that he well, put in play. Like that's one of three batter minimum. We haven't seen it in action yet, so we don't know truly. The impact it'll have. I like the idea of less, uh, like lefty specialists coming in for one batter in the eighth. Yeah, but my thing is, I'm not comparing. Like, I'm saying pace of playing game time. I I see is like two different things, really. Like the game time, it could be a, a short game and like nothing happens, right? Like whereas like pace of like pace of play would just be like the like things happening all the time, as opposed to, like the game just being like shortened overall. You can have like a two hour and like thirty minute game. Where like nothing happens in the game and it's like one nothing, as a like pace of play is just how quickly the game is played. <laughs> yeah, it's just how quickly you get from the first to the ninth. That's the pace of the play. I'm, I'm confused. That's the I'm confused game time. What Chelsea's getting at here? I, I'm kind of lost. <laughs> what the pace of play is how quickly the oh, game gets played. If the game's shorter, it got played quicker. Chelsea, how are you going to knock the pace of play? The new pace of play rules. Are you not some of them are some. I don't. I don't like some. I don't like the. Well, three it's an, I mean, it is annoying in the eighth when you got to watch like a, like a lefty come in for like one yeah. guy. It's like you think up for like ten minutes. One game and you see like managers mixing and matching when it's like the game's over. Like just you see like, yeah, you see, like Boo and Logan. You just know that's ten minutes out of your life you didn't need. Yeah, yeah. it's like we're throwing this random guy in, like watch him warm up, and then like give up like a like a four hundred million foot home run, like uh, watch him matter. like wa- watch him like walk the guy on on five pitches, and then like he gets pulled out. Yep, and then you gotta watch another guy warm up. No, but back to your argument that pace of play and game speed are two different things. I don't think they necessarily are at all. I think, I think the pace of play is just how quickly. Yeah, I think it's just how quickly it gets from one to nine, and I I do think some of these rules help that. Yeah, it's helping game time, but again, Same I don't thing know. Is- <laughs> All right, keep going. Right. The but, then, of the game. But, but then, like the whole thing where he, um, like with uh, a Rod, we watched. Uh, if you if you've been listening to the pod for a while, you you listened to our episode on um on uh, Screwball, yeah. and he has the whole like MLB investigation 
thing where like he's like hiding evidence and trying like trying like trying to like steal evidence from from people like doing like hit and runs and shit like 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 stealing shit out of no that was when he was commissioned that was the beginning of his commission what is cap you know what's going on right now Everything that was going on in South Beach was when he was like, yeah. Manfred was, was okay, right. okay, okay, but still, Manfred was in charge. Manfred okay, you charge. you can argue he was underqualified for to be commissioner because of his job there, which I, I think I could agree with. I don't think I think he did a pretty shoddy job right there. Uh, but like there in his in his commissioner run, like at the end of the day, here's what I'll get at. Uh, he's just doing what the owners tell him. He's an employee of the owners, and at the end of the day, if like blaming Manfred here, it just goes back to the owners once again. Here's the here's the one thing with Charlie's thing. You're like eight minutes into this Manfred rant, and you haven't mentioned the Astros scandal. I was which literally is just about to say let, that. Let's just finish the timeline. By the timeline, it's going by the timeline, and then now we get to the Houston Astros, where he where then he like called he called the the. Well, one thing before you go was Manfred the commissioner during the Ryan Braun thing. No, no, no he wasn't. That was Seelig. Was it twenty Seelig, which had a in it too yeah but not- manford was like in charge manford was the one that was like in charge whoever of- believed ryan braun was like an idiot aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's true no aaron no R- like whoever in the mlb was like he seems genuine let's not suspend him would you have a positive test that <laughs> makes no sense in any other in no other sport does that happen a guy like test positive and then the league like all right let's hear him out that never happens and the the astros scandal where he like People, I'm people like say that he didn't punish him. If I would punish the Astros stuff, I kind of agree. Just fire the manager, and the manager didn't do anything. He kind of let the he let the players off the hook, uh, like the ones that the ones that like ruined the livelihoods of a lot, like a lot of people in baseball, um, and changed the course of baseball history for for worse. Um, well, the strategy he took, just to clarify here, the whole story is to get the full story. What he did was he granted the players immunity in order to figure out what happened 100%. And that was a really poor decision because I think it's been proven with kind of the buzzer stuff. A lot of outside talk from all the players outside of Houston that they weren't honest with the commissioner or they would have came down way harder on them, and now they're unscathed. Yeah, and the and players on other teams knew some, like, some, like, sketchy shit was going on with the Astros. Like, you heard um, in February, uh, Sabathia, CC Sabath- on CC Sabathia's podcast, him and Sonny Gray were, like, talking about how in 2017, like, that ALCS against the Yankees, they were like, we know, like, something's going on. We're just not going to win in, in Minute Maid because there's just something, like, out of our control that we, like, that we can't win. Players knew this shit was going on. And, and Manfred just kind of, like, lets, then gives the players immunity to get the, to get the story. And then now you can't, like, punish them after you have all these punishable things yeah. for that – they did, but, but and then let let me finish. What I will say here is that there's been a lot of uh, players coming out after the fact about this. They could have blown the lid off this at any time during this whole Astros run. It's a lot of guys coming out afterwards saying like, "Oh, we knew this no. was going on." Not lost. I'm gonna Why say not? no because because everybody because everybody would just blow them off. They'd be like, "Oh yeah, you're just like hating on them. You're just like." You're you're just jealous of them. That's that's how people. That's what people will say. You're just jealous. The of reason them I would say it didn't happen is because there's probably a lot more teams than we think using some sort of buzzer system. Which we'll get into something about that later with the yeah. whole Yankees thing. But but then a lot more than we think. But then he called the World Series trophy, ironically uh, named the Commissioner's Trophy, just a piece of metal, and that's like literally the that's the worst thing he's the, done. 
the thing that players work for it, it that players work for for their entire lives it's almost like he just doesn't it, it comes across at, to a lot of people including myself that he just doesn't give a shit about the sport even though he's been working in the major league office for over 20 years what's your grandpa's take who worked in the office he's been through the daily he, go listen to that episode we talk manfred then yep okay so, so go so get up to this get up to this what's going on What's what's your issue with how Manfred's handling this? Just don't. I just don't like that he. Like I understand that he's employed by the the owners, but it seems like he's not even like trying to make an effort to like talk to the players. So I mean, he's obviously talking to players association, but it's almost like because the owners don't want to listen. Like he's not even like trying to to bridge the gap between the two sides, like you'll see in other in other sports. I I think he's facilitating offers from both sides. There's a new offer from each side coming in pretty much every other day. So neither one of them wants to accept the other side's offer. What I'll say is like, like silver's job was so much easier in this situation because there is way less money to be lost on the owner side doing this bubble situation. And I I think with Manfred, like, like this is in some ways like an impossible task because the owners are the way they are and the players are the way they are. And I don't know how like this could be remedied any better by a different commissioner. And the, the thing about baseball is that this is like the sport that's most like prone to this happening. We saw we've already seen a a World Series that was canceled 26 years ago uh, due to a strike, and it hurt baseball for uh, like a four a four year stretch. Um, we'll get we'll get into what saved we'll get into what saved it later on on the on in the episode. Maybe but. it's time to bring what saved it back. Maybe that's what the sport needs. <laughs> and then. Um, it's like, oh, like, and the, the problem, though, is, like, player, it's not necessarily a problem, but right now it, it's a problem in this situation because players have so much power because you can't really just, like, get replacements. You can't just be like, oh, fuck you, we'll get another guy, right? Like, you're not going to go get, like, Aaron Altair to go play in the majors because, like, like, like Aaron Judge can't play. I'm just using that as an example. Like, just com- two completely un- unrelated players, but... um. I don't think they're trying to play without the players. I don't think that's. Evidence. I know the thing is playing like, without even... the players. What's playing with replacements would still not be profitable in their eyes. So mm-hmm. like, there's like they're not they're not even thinking about that. They're just thinking about not playing. I'm saying I'm saying that like that's the thing is it's not profitable. Like other sports, like you can still even kind of make a, a profit on like NFL. Like even if they're like if, if it's like replacing players, I'm still gonna watch because I love football. You know what I mean? Like XFL, the XFL was essentially single XFL game. You told me you didn't. Just understand what, what I'm this, trying to say. What is this replacement players? You you love the sport bullshit. I know you don't watch the XFL, Charlie. You know what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm trying now, to say. I, I'm Get it on. I, Her, I, you've been quiet this I, entire time. I don't want to hear you be oh shit on right when because you've been because Chester, you've been labor you've been laboring to get your point out. I've heard like thing. I heard like Charlie. 45 ums in one sentence, Charlie, and you're asking me to talk. So I understand. Really, you've been silent. Trust me, you've been going off for like fucking fifteen minutes, dude. You want me to fucking interrupt you? Trust, you just gotta get to the point, man. That was too long of a take. It's bullshit. Yeah, what the hell I, is going on? You're like a terrible take. Uh, like a I, I appreciate. I appreciate a good timeline every once in a while. Yeah, no, no. I I like the take. I think what Charlie's getting at is Manfred's been so inept that he doesn't earn. I don't think you said it. Like he doesn't earn the respect of them. So the owners don't feel intimidated by him at all. And the players know he's a cakewalk because of the Astros scandal. Yeah. They don't trust him at all. So there's really just a lack of respect and lack of trust. 
There goes Charlie. Obviously, he's out. I knew he couldn't take that heat. See ya. He screamed at me first. Let's go into this Yankees propaganda bullshit that's going on. Yeah, we know uh, the Bombers are innocent. Fun we to know say the Bombers are innocent. So we get we get this um, article out by Evan Drell. Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt would not cheat the sport. Let's be very clear. No, but no, seriously though. Like, um, so Evan Drellich, who's the guy who uh, he came out with the uh, the Red Sox article that all the Red Sox people discredited. Now I guess he's he's right on this, but not the Red Sox thing. He was fake news then. Now he's right. So he came out with an article about how a judge who ruled in the Yankees' alleged cheating scandal that the Red Sox accused them of said that they need to open a sealed letter from 2017. And if you actually like do the reading on this, it's very simple. If you do the reading on this, you'll see that the judge dismissed the case, said it was nothing, and said they should release the letter just because it was nothing. That's it. There's some language in the article that says this could be potentially bigger than we know, and then that's getting shown everywhere, and it's getting blown out of yeah. proportion. All you need to do is yeah. read, and you'll know that they're innocent. Yeah, yeah, Ryan, I, I, I totally agree. This is just some, like, finagling by reporters to discredit the, the 27-time world champion New York Yankees, honestly. Absolutely. This this is just <laughs> all a sham. It's, it's a take This is deflate-gate all over again. Yeah, this is deflate-gate all over again. The Yankees are, Tom Brady, are the Tom Brady of baseball. Absolutely. All they do is win. People are mad. Somehow the Red Sox, who are a very widely hated franchise, can just like everyone's like dismisses the claims, but then it's about the Yankees and everyone just jumps on it. It's the same guy. It's the same salty. guy who this guy's court. definitely like this guy's definitely like a Brewers fan. He's got nothing going on. He just wants to like <laughs> like like shit on a good team because he he's in a poor He's not even that's the that's the frustrating thing. If you people aren't reading the article, they're seeing Yankees cheated and then because it's the bombers, because of the seven time world champs, as you said. Everyone just loves to bash him, run him through the mud. They want them to cheat so bad. They want the Yankees to fail. They all want them to fail. Oh, Joe Torre, he's in the commissioner's office. They're covering it up. If they were covering up some big thing that the Yankees got punished severely, why weren't any of their draft, draft picks forfeited like the Red Sox and Astros? Yeah, yeah. Why, was their salary, why was the international salary bonus the same? Why is everything the same? No penalties at all if this was some big cover-up. It yeah. makes no sense at all. And I'd be mad, league, too, if I was a Sox fan. And we just trade away, league, like, our best player in the last 30 years. Yeah. I'd be mad, too. You don't think the league would, would, would be all over this? Yankees cheating? That would sell. The Yankees cheating? That would sell that so would much. That would be good. No, baseball. actually, I, I, don't, I don't think that sells. Baseball is kind of like – Baseball I, is I growing. Think, so no, they would make taking money. out, they, like, a so premier franchise like the Yankees is not something you, you'd want to do. Yankees are the most hated franchise in baseball. Like yeah, what I would say here is that the Yankees are carrying the sport right now. And yeah, you, you can't you take them off. Honestly, I, I don't know how the MLB's viewership would be if the, if the Yankees don't. This Yankees team is just like a That's bunch of bombs. Like yeah. yeah, the Yankees are are doing so much for baseball right now because they're a young gun team in like the biggest metropolitan area. And in, in the they're, they're right a now. big team. They they just they sell. The Yankees sell. <laughs> Literally, like, big. anything There's a like big like team. if. The baseball needs. We just need a Yankees Dodgers World Series to be the most viewed World Series of all time. The Yankees are carrying right now, and I'll, I'll shout out the Dodgers too. They're carrying too. It's this is just a classic sham piece against a successful organization because this reporter is probably salty because his team sucks. Yeah, and people are saying like, oh, why don't the Yankees want the uh, document unsealed? Yeah. There's nothing to hide. What is this? Have you ever heard? Like they they have their right to not let this the document be unsealed. It's not principle. And does every single minor infraction yeah. doc get released? No, it doesn't. Why does this need to be released? Because it's the Yankees. 
the that's judge only wants to like, because it's not your house without a warrant and go in. They're like, if you have nothing to hide, why can't we come in? Because you can't. Yeah. It's <laughs> the same as a perfect analogy, Locke. That's the analogy that you I, have to use. I, I, I personally, as unbiased opinion towards this, I don't think this is a great look. I don't think that they would want... I think they would cover up some shit for the Yankees because taking out the Yankees is a bad hit. As Herney said, if the Yankees and the, the Dodgers scored off in the World Series, the, the ratings would be through the roof. So I think, like... You don't want to take out the Yankees. It, it's shady. It, I don't really. Know you can't take out the Yankees. You can't. Yes, That's what I'm saying. Every year, some shit up. There's some new bullshit that comes out every year about like Aaron Judge being like like some like crazy shit. Like Aaron Judge is like secretly a furry or something. It's like every year some bullshit comes out about the Yankees, and then it never it never comes to fruition because this is just classic salty fans trying to lose their mentality, derail the 27th time world champion New York Yankees. Yeah, it's just, it's just a, a, a league of losing Wait. mentality franchises coming out the breadwinner of the sport. You know what? Fine. Take the Yankees out and see what happens to baseball. <laughs> you're going to strike already, and now you're going to take out the 27-time <laughs> champion New York Yankees. Yes. That's a good idea. Most valuable franchise in sports. You're going to take them out? Go for it. Let's see what happens. This isn't something they're trying to cover up. They were fined in 2017. They used, they buy, they used the bullpen uh, might uh, phone wrong. That's what this was about. We already know they're fine. That was public. They just had a letter telling them that's the fine and stuff. And the only reason they want this, the judge wants this to come out, is because we already know all the information. He said that. He said, and this the Yankees is not have a their right well, to say no. We don't want it out. Yeah, yeah. I think this is like a situation to say no. This was the like- Red Sox. This was the Red Sox being all pouty, being all pissy that the Yankees didn't get anything. So they sued the Yankees saying they're cheating. Look into this. MLB, they did an entire investigation. Then the judge did his own investigation impartial. You could say Manfred's bias. He was a Yankee fan. Well, the judge did his investigation and he dismissed the case. He said, nope, it's a sham. They didn't do anything that we don't already know. The minor fine for the bullpen phone. Uh, yeah. Why don't you guys just, you may as well just release the letter because like you already know the Yankees are like, but we like why you don't have to release pushovers, and then everyone's like, "Oh, they cheated. They they use the same. They use the pitch clock. They use the fucking trash can." That's not an admission of guilt. That, no. That's not defending your rights as an American citizen. And here, yeah, what good. happened to innocent until proven guilty? All right, what happened? What happened? What happened? What happened? <laughs> the law for which this country will bestow it on are being thrown out the door because the, it's the twenty-seven time world champion, New York Yankees. Here, my take on this is. I feel like it's like the NCAA. Everyone's fucking cheating. And I feel like there's just, I think the elites in the MLB, they're just stealing signs and shit. I think that's just how it is. I think it's kind of like, I guess just started out in a way. Like everyone's fucking doing it. I probably just, yeah. everyone's stealing signs. It's just happening. It's whatever. No, but it's, cla- it's classic. One one person has to be made an example of. And I think it was just the Astros because they're like, I think they just made an example. I'm not going to say like, all I'm going to say is, I don't think the Yankees are cheating. I still think everyone else is. Absolutely. <laughs> why can why can all these salty fans post all these threads of Aaron Judge and Stan looking like idiots striking out and then say they knew the pitch? You think Stan would be swinging at a pitch that bounced ten feet in front of home plate if he knew it was a curveball? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Uh, absolutely. Judge would lead the league in strikeouts. <laughs> absolutely. Stan is not. Stan is crazy. known for his plate discipline. I if he knew the pitch, I don't think he'd be swinging. <laughs> no, but I it's it's ridiculous. I mean, we couldn't outline it. This is a sham. If you actually read the article, read the athletic article. I beg you, because everyone yeah, that yeah, reads yeah. it, just stop it. getting our news from Twitter. 
All right, let, let's yeah, let, yeah. Uh, instead of reading the Twitter tweet, sucks. let's click what? the link in the tweet. Yes. Yeah, what what, right. what yeah. blue yeah. check mark is yeah. trying to destroy the Yankees? If, if that. you have That's time new... to respond to the tweet with a gif, you have time to click the yeah. You time every day I wake up, every day I wake up and I think what check mark is trying to derail the Yankees today? That's all I hate. That's the twenty-seven time champion New York Yankees. Just to go over it again, there's not even this guy that released the article isn't even bashing the Yankees. He's in the article. He says that it's he. He states the case. It's just people aren't reading it. They're taking this one little snippet of it and they're blowing that out of proportion. They see and Yankees cheating. They see they're Yankees trying to cheating. Clickbait because now, now all these articles are coming out saying why they cheated, and all these salty fans are clicking it. They're giving them money. They're giving them views, and it's sad that the Yankees are absolutely just, trying to make and a scam. The uh, the idea that protecting your rights is now an admission of guilt. Yeah, yeah. Blasphemous. I thought Our we were rights in are being stripped right did. now, and we must really, take them back. I right think it's straight. time the state ain't so but boys go out, hit the streets and take our rights back. Yeah, I think it's time. Let's go on a roadie. <laughs> yeah. this, um, this is absurdity. I this is so just yeah. this is just absurd. This is just a absurdity theater right now from from the mainstream media just trying to derail the twenty seven time world champion New York Yankees. This is all. Yeah. the uh, most valuable franchise in sports. In sports. Yes. Glad we were able to smush this. Just absolute sham against the 27-time World Series champion Yankees. Um, yeah, let's see them post this on Twitter, this segment. We're uh, not going to want to post we'll, this. We'll get this out there. The when the facts get going. We're getting this out there. Um, Chester kind of derailed this segment. We didn't expect it to be this long, but are we? you guys still want to do part four over-unders? Absolutely. Let's fucking so, run you know, it. It's Christmas. It's a super, pod. It's a super pod. We're giving you so much content. This is a super pod. episode. Three so times a week. Stay tuned for part four. No, wait, wait, but wait, wait. Before before we get to the next, what's the over under? Truster comes back. Speaking of over unders, how many minutes he comes back? Yeah, over under. Let, let's put it at seven and a half minutes. Yeah, that's going over or under. All right, I'm going over. I'm going, I'm going way over. Over. I think he's coming back. Well, like okay, you, got, but you can't send a text. You can't send a text. Oh, we can't text him. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm taking the over. That I'll put my the mortgage over on the over. Hammer the over. Over, over. house on the I'm, over. And we know you degenerate betters out there. We'll let you know when you come yeah. back. Great. Because you the probably. The lines will be coming out now. The live you betting can start. Your, your daily, your uh, casino down the block to put your ticket in on Chester's over. We'll let you know if it hit or not. Stay tuned. Part four over under. Long gone summer review. Super pod. Let's go. And we're back. Part four of the NFL over unders. I know you guys are sad to see this series end. This is our last time doing it. We're giving you locks to bet on in Vegas. We're going to start off with my New York Jets. Their win total by Vegas is set at seven wins. Um, I guess I'll get going here. This is a really tough one for me. I think they're definitely a seven to eight-ish win team. Just for the sake of them being my New York Jets, I'm going to go over here. Last year, obviously, they went seven and six with Sam Darnold. The three games he was out, they scored seven points per game and only had two red zone trips. So their offense really fell apart, but when he was there, they were healthy. I really liked what Joe Douglas did. He bolstered the line, bringing in Becton, Connor McGovern as the center, and then C.J. Mosley's coming back on the second-ranked rush defense last year. So I'm going to go barely over here. The reason it's barely over, despite all those positive attributes, is because Adam Gase is their head coach, and he's a terrible head coach. I absolutely despise him there. I think he loses a lot of games they shouldn't lose because of him. So I'll go barely over. It's a mixed bag. I think they'll be in this kind of six-ish, seven, eight, nine-ish range here. All right, I'll go. Um, so it's set at seven. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna go a push or just under here. Obviously, like Sam Darnold. As much as I as I shit on Sam Darnold, a lot of it's a lot of it's embellishment. I don't. Th- I think he's a he's a he's a very he's a solid quarterback. He's, we saw last year. 
unfortunate with the mono situation that happened that really screwed over the Jets in their season. But he did – Sam Darnold performed pretty well um, with, with going 7-6. and six. But I think I, I agree with Greggy totally here. Like, like Adam Gase, you just can't have, like, he's just not going to win you games. Like, no matter how, you can have, like, you can give that guy a pretty good team. He's just going to find a way to squander it. And I don't think, I think the Jets are, are, are definitely taking steps toward the, in the right direction, bolstering the O line. I, I, I think it's going to be, uh, maybe there'll be a glimmer this year, but I don't think they're going to, they're going to like blow up. I think it's still very much a work in progress so they could find the right head coach and staff their team correctly. But I think they're, they're, they're definitely on the trend. Upwards, and I think uh, six or seven wins is pretty realistic for this Jets team. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go under here. Uh, one, I don't think they're they're really that talented yet. They don't have a ton of great players right now. They don't have a lot of difference makers besides Jamal Adams on the back end. Uh, C.J. Mosley, great run stopping linebacker, uh, but they were already a great rush D without him, and rush D only gets you so far. So what I'll, I'll say, I could see the season going two ways for them. One, they're terrible throughout, and Gase is just fired. Or two, they start off hot, but they're a young team, and they fizzle off at the end. I, I feel like with the Jets, they're, they're not particularly deep either, so they're a couple injuries away from their season falling apart in multiple positions. That offensive line is extremely thin. Uh, they're relying on like George Fant to come in, big free agent signing. He hasn't really started anywhere. If he goes down or if he's not good, they're in trouble. Uh, I don't know, how, and rookie tackles can tend to struggle sometimes. So I don't know how well they'll protect Arnold. Yeah, so I'm gonna have gonna, to go under. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with Ryan here. Uh, the Jets, uh, they're gonna go under. I feel like the Jets are just always a disappointment, especially when you got Adam Gase at the helm. I think that that's just a disaster waiting to happen. It's gonna get even worse. But I do like uh, Darnold. I think he's gonna take some stuff uh, steps forward. But the offense with receiver wise just isn't like that many weapons. And uh, really, the roster just there isn't like many stars. But aside from maybe like uh, Jamal, I'm, so I'm gonna say under seven. The thing is, like, I understand what you guys are saying completely. The roster may not be that talented. It definitely is better than last year, though. You get rid of Tremaine Johnson. He was dead weight. He was just a free burn wide receiver, free play. And last year, despite all the injuries, Darnold out for three games, Mosley playing fantastic week one, and then being out for the year. They still won seven games last year, despite all the hell. Colicio Semeli came in, was an absolute disgrace. And they added talent to that seven-win team. I know that's not how it always works in the NFL, where it's a linear progression. And Adam Gase, yeah, laughing. It was a terrible move oh, by the Jets. Semeli's an absolute disgrace out there. It's ruining the sport. Baked an injury, got cut, about uh, like $10 million down the drain there. Um, but then again, you know, Adam Gase is the head coach. They win a lot. They win games they shouldn't, right? They beat the Cowboys last year. That Raiders game was out of nowhere. And then they lose to the winless Bengals and Dolphins. It's very inconsistent. It's very jetsy. And the cap was saying they disappoint a lot of times. So I'm never a guy. I'm never like a homer in that I'll gas my team and expect them to make the Super Bowl every year or anything like that. Unless it's my 27-time World Series champion Yankees, because they're obviously always on top. They're, they're yeah, always the Jets, ready to make a World Series run. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the Jets, like, I understand what you guys are saying. I'll go over just for optimism, but I see them really ultimately winning seven-ish games. Uh, next up, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. So this over was at nine and a half when we wrote it down, which was one major thing has happened since then, the injury to Brandon Brooks, which I think kind of just changes the whole complexion of this team. I guess I'll start here at nine and a half. I had this as, a, as an over, but Brandon Brooks has been arguably the best guard in football the last three years. He's made uh, two all pros, I believe, been unstoppable. He's been healthy, hasn't missed a game. 
besides that one playoff game last year, where uh, uh, Carson Wentz and McCown were sacked by nine times. So his impact is noticeable just like that. Um, and with the Cowboys in your division, I think I think it's going to be a bloodbath between the two of them. I think it'll be similar to last year and come down to kind of those last few games at the end of the year. I see them as like a 9-10 win team. But for the sake of this 9.5, because of the recent injury, I'll go under here. I'm going to go over here. Uh, you mentioned the Brandon Brooks injury. While that can hurt them, if there's a team that I believe can fill in those gaps in the offensive line, it's the Eagles. Uh, you yeah, met, in this Bowl run, they lose Stallworth, left tackle, Jason Peters. They are placing with Big V, and they're fine. So, like, if there's a team I believe that can, you know, develop an O-lineman quickly to be ready to play, it'd be the Eagles. Uh, especially now because they have the whole offseason to prepare this guy who's going to have to come in. So I, I do have faith they'll be able to do that. And I think this is the year where Carson Wentz really uh, shows who he is. He's going to have a, like a full offseason to prepare. Hopefully, if his weapons stay healthy, I think it's going to be a monster year for once. So yeah. this is definitely an over for me. Um, I'll, I'll go. Uh, I'm going to go just under nine, nine wins. Obviously, I, I agree with that point that uh, Ryan made that, like, even though they're losing, they like, lost a stud O lineman. The, the Eagles seem like they're a very uh, team that can adapt well to, to adversity with injuries. We saw last year all of their offensive receiver weapons were hurt. They still somehow like managed just to get to get into the offs um, and win a wild card game, right? Yeah, yeah, they lost in the divisional. And then they're they're they're, they're, they're a team that absolutely can adapt. not. Wait, what was it? They, they lost Remember, we, we recorded the emergency pod right after the game. They lost Carson the Wentz got They lost the Josh McCown game. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, so I was wrong. But still, they're a team that they can adapt to injury. Um, so I don't think the, the old line will be a huge issue, but I think it's more of an issue if Carson Wentz and the offensive weapons can, can stay healthy throughout the year. Because Carson Wentz hasn't necessarily proven himself as a quarterback. So he hasn't really been able to stay healthy, but he's still a very quality starter. And, and I, could, I could see him having a very like, big year next year, impending he stays healthy. And the receivers stay healthy, so I think the Eagles realistically can win nine or ten games. I think it's just going to be tough with the Cowboys, who seem who going into the season are a very hyped up team. They're a very strong team, and they're at a new beginning with McCarthy. So I don't know, but I think the Cowboys will beat them out in the division. But I still think they'll be managed to win nine, maybe ten games. Uh, I think for this one, I'm going to go with the over for the Eagles. You're looking at a division where they could go five and one, uh, just sweep the Giants yeah. and the Eagles, and then split one against the Cowboys. That's five wins right there. Uh, I think he definitely win another five after that. Um, and I think one of these things, uh, it's kind of weird that they drafted Jalen Hurts, but is kind of a cool uh, like safety plan if uh, like once does get hurt and a huge addition with Jalen Rager for receiver in the first round, so they get something going to help him out. So yeah, I think like they're going to win like ten games because they 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 just eat up that division. Yeah, and this is a thing where I just believe in the infrastructure. GM, coach, quarterback. I, I think that that's the strongest. They have the strongest group of anyone in the division. So uh, of those three positions, so I think they'll, they'll win the division. So next up, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers. Really interesting team. Last year, they won eight games with really no quarterback. Big Ben got hurt week one. Their over under is set at nine and a half. What do we think of that? I'm going to have to go under here. Nine and a half seems high to me. You say they're getting Big Ben back, but what version of Big Ben are we really getting? Tommy John's surgery for a quarterback seems absurd to me that this guy's that people expect this guy to return to form. Uh, and I also think Big, Big Ben's just kind of shot. Uh, like like at seeing him in the offseason doesn't look to be in the best shape. I, I think this is probably it. Uh, I, I think eight and eight in Big Ben's final season is what's coming this year. I just feel like I'm going to go over here. Big Ben's the kind of guy who I feel like just going to have to bend their wake up, hung over at his mind, 
and still sling the football around. Like he's just a football guy. Like I don't, I don't really like get this. He's out of shape. He's always been out of shape. He's a big Ben. Like he's a big guy. So yeah, but, I'm gonna go over here yeah, just on the but, fact that putting that aside. But are we sure he could throw his yeah. way out of these plays yeah. anymore with a, a weakened I'm, arm? Well, yeah. Okay. You can you can go. I'll just you, yeah. You so go. I mean, obviously, pending Big Ben coming back, I expect him to be formidable because all it would have took last year is just average quarterback play to get this team into the playoffs. They were on track to make the playoffs. Devlin Hodges and Mason Rudolph were nothing. They were absolutely they were unspectacular. They still won eight games. That defense took a huge step. I feel like if Big Ben the last few years had that defense when he was really still doing it with AB and Juju and those boys, they would still be they would be way better than they were not performing now winning playoff games. But like I just think he just needs to play average for them to win ten games. You have the Browns, you have the Bengals in your division. I think they can beat up on those two teams. I think they can take one against the Ravens last uh, this year. Um, 10 wins. I see them as a 10-win team. I really like the Steelers going into next year. Uh, the defense is amazing. I think Big Ben's going to come back strong. Um, one uh, thing I'll say before Hearn goes, I don't think the defense is going to be as good as it was last year. They're sneaky getting a little old. Uh, they, they lost Javon Hargrave up front. And like a big thing that was the Calister defense last year was like Joe Hayden turned back the clock and was like an absolute not lockdown number one corner. I just don't think he could do that again into his 30s at this point. Yeah. All right, um, it's I'm gonna go just under a nine here. Um, obviously last year, uh, last year was a very tumultuous year for the uh, for the Steelers. You know, get Big Ben getting hurt. But uh, let me just touch on Big Ben real quick. Uh, I, 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 he, he's obviously he'll, like I think he'll play average next year. But I think it's just like people how people applaud him. Like see that Barstool post is like, yeah, Big Ben's so cool. He doesn't train in the offseason. He just like drinks beers and hangs with his kids. Like, like you're a fucking a one. NFL athlete and you're just doing that and it just seems irresponsible on the, on the point of him because he's literally that franchise is built upon Big Ben and he's not taking the proper measures to, to heal himself so he can come back ready to win because that team with with 100% Big Ben would have been a playoff team undoubtedly sure. so now they have and they had to play with Mason Rudolph and, and Duck Hodges who are both abysmal quarterbacks and and then you have like this guy just being like yeah I don't give a fuck about the offseason I'm not going to do shit to repair my body and it's almost absurd how Big Ben has Tommy Johnson doing a notable pitcher injury, but I still think he'll come back next year. He's definitely going to be a, a, a well cut above the two quarterbacks they had last year, plus a defense that'll definitely be solid. At, I think at worst will be like will be like good because it was strong, very strong last year. So I think nine wins is realistic, and they'll probably sneak into playoffs. Just a quick thing I'll say before I let everyone else go: if Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges showed anything last year, Big Ben would not be back. I think they would have moved on from him. Yeah. Mason Rudolph was anything they have one touchdown a game during the stretch run last year that's just unacceptable and yeah big ben i really think it's not like as much as like oh we need him coming back it's well anything other than mason rudolph because that guy was yeah. just fucking awful. Yeah. yeah big ben didn't really show anything at all like last year the two in like the in the two games that he played in yeah, like, but he still knows how to play in those situations where you need. We need like, I'm not. Ben, I'm not. I'm, I, I know. I know that he's better than Duck Hodges and Mason Girl. He's way better than both of them. But things let's no. not act like he was like any good last year. No, I, 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 I don't. I'm not a proponent of Big Ben. I, I don't really like his. I don't like his 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 whole like approach to the game. What I'll say is, I think it is weird that Big Ben. This is the only time I've seen a quarterback. I think in the last couple of years have to get Tommy John surgery on their throwing arm. Uh, that that is weird to me. And I think a, a lot of like the weird like nagging injuries Big Ben gets is, is part of his preparation. Yeah, and, like, he doesn't his get his body right for the season. Body. He doesn't. Eli, even... never, Eli never missed a game. 
Yeah, uh, Eli, well, kind of because Eli fell whenever the quarterback got, whenever the pocket got pressured, so he didn't hey, have to take those hey, hits. Preserved his body. Yeah, preserved his even, body in a while, like seven win teams. If if Big Ben could take a quarter, even do a even do five percent of what like Tom Brady was doing to prepare his body, he would have he this would be he'd have a totally different outlook on himself. You see, ben, Big Ben trying to move in the pocket. It looks like me trying to move out there. He's waddling around trying to dodge defenders, and he ultimately just gets smoked by a linebacker. Like, this guy's not preparing his body when he's going against the greatest athletes on the planet who play football. You have a 27-year-old linebacker, like, running at you. He's like, yeah, thank God I drank, like, 40 bush lights in the offseason. Like, what, what does that mean? Why is this braggadocious? It honestly just seems absurd to me. Yeah, so I, I'm going to probably take the under. I think that uh, Big Ben just not preparing is going to catch him at this point. Uh, you don't see a guy really get Tommy John that often, and uh, – He's just not in shape, and I don't think he's having a good year next year. And what is it, nine? Is it nine in total? Half. Nine and a half. Yeah, no, it's going to go under nine and a half for sure. Uh, Probably like an eight, nine-win team, and yeah. Big Ben scrambling for a first down. He's like, thank God I drank 64 Natty Lights last night. I can get this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, thank thank God I murdered a 30-rack of Bush Lights the night before, like – this guy, this guy has got no idea. This guy never, never had, maybe never had the makings to be a truly like. He's a, he's all famous, but like I don't know. Like, like he, Big Ben could have been so much more if he just took it more seriously. Big Ben scrambling for first act. Like that guy, I drank thirty six butt heavies and groped a woman in a bathroom last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> while, while he's waddling for a first, trying to outrun like Miles Garrett when he's waddling for a first down, like. <laughs> Big Ben really for first down with like Montez Perfect on his back. It's like, oh, yeah. thank God I, I drank 27 Bud Lights and showed my dick to a female at men's bathroom yeah. last night. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head, Ryan. Yeah. So, uh... Oh, uh, I'm also going to have to go under on this one. Um, the Steelers are not a 10-win team. Their offense is just not good enough. I don't like any... I don't really like... Obviously, the quarterback room. We've been shitting on Big Ben for like the last like five minutes. Um, I gave him a lot of praise. Deservedly so. You're tripping. Okay. Um, and you guys, I'm you not guys. Even, I'm not even. Fin- I'm not. I'm not finishing my point. Wait. Um, and the defense. The defense, <laughs> although it was one of like the league's elite defenses last year, you never really. You don't really. It's very rare to see defenses that play at the level like they did last year to repeat the the same level of production we've seen that year in and year out that teams that have like one of these top defenses um from one year like the next year they always regress they never play at the same level again we saw it with the bears and from uh 2018 to 2019 we saw it with the giants 2016 to 2017 I, I feel like that situation could happen again yeah yeah i think it, it often happens when it's like a team's defense that's carrying the offense the next yeah. year like they just don't have anything left all right, we ready to okay. move on? Yeah, and let's just clarify something because we obviously teased how long it would take Charlie to come back. We set an over-under. It was nine and a half minutes. If you guys bet the over, it smashed. Smash that was the around over. Smash the and a half over. minutes. A lock. We told you guys to run to your local casinos and bet it. Welcome back, Charlie. We're thrilled to Thanks. have you. Thanks. Next Thanks. up. Take care of some business. As you guys know, King I have some. Got, Chester has been having some, some family dealings in court yeah. lately. It's been, it's been yeah, good. Chester had, had to quickly hop on the phone with I've his had, attorney. I've had, Chester's demanding custody. Listen, you got to respect that. Listen, I've had I've had some things that that I that I have to deal with right now. Um, let's not get into it on the pod, but that's why he's been on it. His his uh, suit to be ex wife has been making some salacious allegations in in family court, and Chester's fighting against those. And you got to respect a man fighting to keep his kids. Yeah, defending his rights. 
Yeah. Yeah. Whether, whether or not uh, Chester Chester hit his wife in their short-lived marriage is irrelevant in, in his ability to father those children. And All I right, think he has to eat. Let's, 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 let's not make these allegations. Let's not air out Chester right now. Yeah. Let's get back to football. Be a shame if somebody like, got, said some crazy got, shit and that, about somebody, and then you know they had, to, then they would get like shit on it. Chester's so like Tyreek Hill in college right now. Forty ers are <laughs> ten and a half just, coming off a Super Bowl appearance. Obviously, if Jimmy G just played competent in the fourth quarter, they'd probably be the defending champs. This is a fascinating one. Ten and a half. Do we think they'll have the Super Bowl hangover? Do we think we'll be back? What do we think, guys? I'll start this um, off. I'll start this off. I'll start this off. All right. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over here. Um, I think I think they're just they're just such a like when you look at the Niners, they're such a well-run team. I mean, they just have like the, uh, for for me, there's nothing that's like like super gla- like the I think they're like the glaring flaw with them. I think is is just is just Garoppolo at this point. But I think like they just have such a good system built around. And and I think they have a strong D line. They have a good O line. I think they're gonna play. They have a great run attack. George Kittle, absolute beast, crackhead, living out the NFL dream. And I think I think uh, eleven wins is pretty realistic for this team. I think they're gonna maybe they'll regress a little bit, but I think eleven wins for them is almost a lock. Yeah, I I, I would have to say like like just at that line, I would probably take the over at eleven. Um, I think that. Um, the the 49ers like I I like I like their defense a lot. Obviously, they played amazing last year, and then their offense. It wasn't like a situation where the the defense was carrying the offense, like I mentioned with the Steelers like two minutes ago. Um, the the offense was a very it was very competent. they they had one of the best running games in the league. They did trade Matt Burrito, but they also um, were able to replace Joe Staley with uh, Trent Williams. Now Trent Williams hasn't I don't. I don't think he Massive played last man. year. Massive I don't think man. he played last year, but he's still like when he's playing, he is one of, if not the best left tackle in the sport. So getting, being able to get him for what, like a, a third and a fifth round pick on draft day, or like on day three yeah. of the draft third next year, fifth this year. Like that was, that was a really good trade, really good value for them. Um, and I, I just think, and even though they lost Emmanuel Sanders, they were able to get uh Brandon Ayuk in, in the you- first round. Um, yeah. So I, I I like I like what they they did especially that Trent Williams trade. So I'm gonna have to go just over. I I think at 11 wins. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna have to go over as well here. Their infrastructure is just at a point where they're not gonna fail this year. Uh, I think I think 11 wins is pretty easily attainable for them. They're just they're just a competent franchise like like the New York Yankees. Yeah, like the 27 time World Series champion, most valuable franchise in sports, New York Yankees. The Bronx Bombers. I thought the the Cowboys were most. You guys set five up front, the D-line, the O-line, the GM, the coach. I mean, it's just all the great infrastructure, as Loft said. Uh, yeah, they're replacing – they're getting Trent Williams to replace Stanley. Manuel Sanders, whatever. Matt Rita, whatever. They'll still be good. Shanahan's still going to dial stuff up to make Jimmy G as comfortable as he can be. The over 10.5, despite the tough division, they got it done last year. We'll get it done this year over 10 and a half wins. I mean, honestly, looking back, it's surprising they didn't pick up Jameis Winston, honestly. I mean, he would be, he'd definitely be a huge upgrade from Garoppolo. Jimmy honestly. wasn't stuck on that contract. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Also, just wanna... Honestly, they just pick up Jameis, start him, throw him out there, see what happens. Yeah, and you, you mentioned Matt Breida. He's on the, just want to mention, he got traded to the Dolphins. Yeah, I said, like, uh, losing him. Mentioned, uh, did you listen? I said Emmanuel Sanders, Matt Breida, doesn't matter. Jesus. Okay, nice. Cut that out. 
But uh, I, I, I definitely think that the 49ers will go over. I mean, I just don't see a reason why they can't run it back and make a make a run in the playoffs, even though it is a tough division with uh, uh, the Seahawks. Uh, Seahawks. Every team's confident. Yeah, yeah. Every, every team's confident. So it's a, probably one of the toughest divisions in the league, but I just think that they got every, a lot of the pieces uh, there. So I think, yeah, they definitely can make another run back for, yeah. in the playoffs. Next up, we have the Seattle Seahawks, also in that division, the second-place team last year. Right now they're over under a set at nine wins. Do Russell Wilson and the gang hit that? What do we think, guys? Yep, over. Yep. Ten, ten and six easily, that's it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going over. Seahawks, Seahawks are another one of those teams where like they're always like they're always making some sort of noise. And now with the addition of massive man DK Metcalf in that offense, and also Russell Wilson, just just a great quarterback. He's just going to give you what you need. He's always he's going to win you some games. I don't think they're going to be able to obviously beat out the 49ers in the division, but I I still think they'll be able to win 10 games and definitely make the playoffs. Not even a question. Yeah, the, C- the Seahawks have only missed the playoffs one time uh, since Russell Wilson uh, yep. took over as a starting quarterback for the Seahawks. They've had one, I think they've had one season with 10 or less wins, and that was uh, that 2017 season where they missed the playoffs. Um, so I'm, all, I'm also going to uh, have to go with the over here. The Seahawks just get it done. One of the dumbest things you can do, I feel like, is bet against Russell Wilson at this point. He's just a bar. You know, we forget last year. They were a yard away from beating the Niners and getting a bye, and then the outlook would be completely different than having to go through the road. Having home games in Seattle in the playoffs is one of the best advantages in football. So, yeah, I mean, not much more to add here. I'm going to bet on Russell Wilson to win more than nine games. No one's going to stop me. I'm running to the casino. I'm running to my bookie. I'm putting that in now, over nine for the Seahawks. Yeah, the, the Seahawks are just consistent. They're always there. They're pretty much almost always have been in the playoffs in the, the P. Carroll and Russell Wilson era. So, yeah, I'm going to have to say over two, even though it's a tough division, I said before. But they're just they're, – they're consistent. They're going to they're gonna be in the playoffs for sure. And I have like, like 10, I think it is. Next up, we have one of the most fascinating teams, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're mm. over. It's set at nine and a half wins. Obviously, this is the biggest expectations they've ever had, the best quarterback they ever had. The GOAT left New England. He's in Tampa. Nine and a half wins. Does Brady get it done? Let me start this Easily. off. Easily. No, Over. Slam it. I'm going. Over. Yeah, just. Um, nah, nah, are nah, we sure he's the GOAT and not just the Gatsby? That's a great question. We'll get Jameis Wilma back to go with it. I'm going over easily. Tom Brady in there. Gronk in there. They're easily over nine and a half wins. I already mentioned I think it's going to be a down year for the Saints. Therefore, someone really has to step up and dominate that division. Okay, it's going to be go. the book. book it. Let me go. All right. Yeah, I agree with Luff. You got Tom Brady, the greatest, the, the, probably the great, the most great sports player ever. All right. He's great. He's great. All right. Also, that offense is going to be insane. That Bruce Arians offense with Gronk, OJ Howard, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Cameron Brate, and they're, 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 they're running backs like, all right. I don't know. I don't really know much about the team. Rojo's a great Tom kid. Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady is a California kid. All right, in Tampa Bay. Honestly, if I'm if I, if you're gonna bet Tom Brady or who's the Brady, running back? That's okay. I don't even know who the running back is exactly. He's it doesn't matter. It's, it's Tom Brady it, with a, with that high powered receiving core and that high powered air air raid Bruce Arians offense. And honestly, I'm gonna bet against. I'm never gonna bet against Tom Brady against Drew Brees. All right, you saw what happened in the first game back when he went to the Superdome. Hung his nuts in the Superdome, threw a, t- a bomb to the end zone to win the game. Brady knows how to win in the Superdome. I have no doubt in my mind that they win 12 games next year. Way over. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go over. 
just just because um the the Bucks today tweeted out those pics of Tom of Tom Brady in the uniform Scare. just looks fire scary sight just just, just yeah yeah just just from that I have to go with the over. Yeah, it's not even just about like guys. The it's Ronald Jones, of- guys. It's Ronald Jones. Yeah, he's a great kid. It's Ronald not Jones. even just about like the individual like play of Brady at this point in his career. It's just the culture and mindset he's going to bring in. That's a losing franchise, right? That's just a loser franchise, and he's nothing but a winner. Tom's an absolute winner. So that culture that is kind of unfairly, I guess, put in place. Obviously, Bruce Arians is a good coach. That's going to go out the door. This is going to be high expectations. High volume, high results because Tom Brady doesn't lose games. He's going to have them just playing up. And yeah, it doesn't even have to do with like the actual talent around them being much different. Obviously, they picked up Beckton in the draft. Uh, tackle was a huge need. Uh, sorry, not Beckton. Werfs in the draft, huge need for them. But yeah, Tom Brady, Tampa Bay over nine and a half. Uh, what all, guys, are we sure Brady's not going to throw 65 touchdowns this year? Are we sure? I mean, you can't rule that out. Possibly. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet yeah. against it necessarily at all. I mean, and if not, not this year, next year with extra game. He's throwing like three Randy Mosses out there. It's insane. Yeah, I'd, I'd honestly make a bet here just to send the over because Tommy, as we all agree, he's just a, he's just a winner. So yeah, this is easily send over. I think I might just just bet the fucking house on this one. Easy yeah. dubs right here. I'm taking a second Easy mortgage dubs. out on the house. Yeah. Also, Trust, also, please do not mush this. Please do not mush this. Trust or just say under. Just say under. I, it's too late. I already said over. But la- last time we saw, oh. last time, last time we oh, no. saw like a, a like a, a guy like Brady come in, uh, Gruden first year Super Bowl. Are we putting the pass? Are we putting the pass him this year? Home Super Bowl. They beat at home. It's Super Bowls in Tampa. Tampa. Um. Next up, we have the Tennessee Titans. They went on a miracle run in the playoffs last year. Obviously, Ryan Tannehill. Flip the switch, comeback player of the year, Derrick Henry. He's going to be back for now. We don't know the contract issue, but he's slated to be back. Eight and a half wins is what Vegas gives them. Are we going over or under? Yeah, I'm going to go over here. I think nine wins is just about right for them. Uh, I think the, the Jags are going to be pretty bad. Uh, that, that should help them out a lot. Uh, I don't think the Colts are much improved from last year. I think they've actually maybe gotten worse a little bit. Yeah. If Philip Rivers isn't good, who knows how they turn out. Yeah, so I think nine seven is just about right for them. That's an over. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to to disagree. I'm gonna have to to go with the under here. Um, I just don't think that they're gonna be able like that they're gonna be able to match the production that that Ryan Tannehill was able to give them through that that uh, stretch that he had in the second half in the playoffs. I don't know if he'll be able to replicate it. We really haven't haven't seen uh, him have that type of success for an extended period of time. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with with the under here. Um, it's just. Uh, let me go quickly. This just is like a nine and seven football team to me. Um, they're not like much improved. They lost your Al Casey, but when you look at it, like I don't think I agree with what Derrick Henry can't just run smash mouth football the entire season, right? He right. can't do it he for, do it for years. last year. Obviously, he turned it on at the end of the year. They won on that amazing run, upsetting Brady and Foxborough, upsetting Lamar, and it was awesome to see. But Tannehill. A lot more pressure is going to be put on this year. He's not going to be able to come in without – like, there's going to be film on him. Obviously, leaving Gase was a help for him. Nine wins seem just about right. I still think the Texans are winning this division, but I think they'll go barely over. All right, but you can, that could go both blades in that. Another year in the system for Tannehill. You know, they, yeah. they, they did show some creative things in the offense in the playoffs. I, I think maybe it just maybe settles into the offense, finds his groove, and maybe they're able to throw it a lot more. Yeah. 
Um, I, I think over is real here about nine wins. Tannehill, I, I don't, I don't agree. I forgot who said the notion that he's like not like I don't know, prove himself. But he was able to take the the, the incompetent, poorly run Dolphins to the playoffs. So I, I Tannehill is a quality starter. He's, I think he's an above average starter. I, I agree with what Ryan said. Like he's going to get used to the system, be able to throw it a little more. They can rely less on on Derrick Henry, who did prove himself last year. He was absolutely insane in the playoffs. It was like it was like it was almost like Jeremy Lin. It's like when is this going to stop? Like when are they going to figure it out? It's like Derrick Henry's a stud. He's he's, he's huge. He's, he just runs in a straight line, runs you over, puts you in the dirt. Plus, Vrabel, good head coach. Tannehill's a good starter. I think they have a good group of guys. Their defense isn't terrible. You know. They have, they have Patriot stud Malcolm Butler. I mean, it, it's it, it, the, the I think I, and also I agree with what Greg said. Nine and seven written all over here. Maybe yep. an intention if they could sneak out some like I don't know some big game primetime win. But I, I don't think it's it's, it's 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 fair to say that they're gonna like somehow miss the playoffs last year with what they did in the playoffs last year. They beat yeah, took down two well good teams. Hundred percent, I agree that uh, this team is a, a nine win team. Uh, Derek Henry is an absolute wagon. I actually did like uh, um, <laughs> I did like Tannehill's play, and I'm a huge fan of uh, Vrabel's coaching. So I think that yeah, Mike Vrabel's a great coach. Yeah, I think that yeah. this team will will make uh, probably make the playoffs wild card. Uh, the, the division isn't too strong with the Colts and uh, the who else? <laughs> Jaguars, the Texans. <laughs> I mean, uh, Jaguars. I think yeah, definitely that they could make another run for like a wild card spot. Yeah, I want to make something clear about Tannehill because obviously you guys know I run a wildly successful Instagram page, Freezing Cold, Freezing Cold Takes. And when there's any type of content I can post, I do. And Freezing Cold Takes, we had him on the pod, good guy. He posted something a few years back calling Tannehill an absolute bust. And I posted that saying, like, he proved himself. And I got a lot of pushback saying he's not legit. But I think, like, at this point, I don't know. You feel like he's legit. He did what he did last year, amazing numbers. And I was getting pushed back, and I thought that was just insane that people were ripping into me for posting that. That's a very good post by me. Yeah, Tannehill may not be great, but he's definitely good enough yes. at this point. He's proved that. Last team. We've covered 31 teams. We've given you 31 picks. They're all going to hit. We have the team that resides in the nation's capital, the team from Washington. Right now, they're over-under. Instead, at five and a half wins. What do we think of that? Last team. The R words are tough. I'm gonna let you guys go around, and I'll I'll come with mine at the end. Uh, I'm gonna flat out. This team sucks. Uh, under Dwayne Haskins, lost. Um, yeah, that's really all you gotta say. That they suck. Yeah. The Giants are gonna they get swept by the Giants. I mean, that's you know when this team sucks. Uh, definitely under. They're canceled. I'm gonna say this: Redskins are canceled. They're winning two games. <laughs> Why? I can't believe you just said just said their name on the on the. Oh pod. no, I'm canceled now. And, uh, the yeah, R words, the R words. Yeah, the Native yeah. Americans. That I, I just don't see. I don't know. They got they got smoked by the Giants, who who are, who are not in the best of situations right now. I just Dwayne Haskins. He's he's like he's like seven hundred pounds. He's got to drop some weight. I don't know. Nope. He's he's, he said he's four percent body fat now. There's like eight, he's eight million pounds. I don't know. Thirteen percent body fat. I don't know what's going on with them, but. I just don't see a way that they're just gonna like like blow up and win, even win like even six games. Like it just doesn't register. When you hear like like Redskins like six wins, you're like that's ah, pretty good year for them. They're gonna win like they're gonna win like three games next year. <laughs> I the 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 only reason why I'm even considering taking the over for for Washington is because they hired Ron Rivera. Yep, that's the only thing that makes me even consider. He wasn't even water down. He's a solid coach. Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera is one of the 
Change the one, is a very yeah, he's a very good coach. But the thing is, I think that the Redskins are more than a year away from being like a team that I think that that they can be under Ron Rivera. I'm sorry, I mean Washington. Um, and and I I don't nece- I I don't like what Dwayne Haskins did uh, did last year like on the field, but. Um, I will recognize that he was in like one of the worst possible situations that a quarterback could be in, where where the where like nobody in the coaching staff wanted them there, and then they don't even like try and like. Develop I think that's the all. worst situation a rookie quarterback's been in since David Carr. Like that, it was a horrible. Gosh, I, even Rosen, no, like at least the franchise was in on him at the time. Darnold, Darnold's rookie year. Yeah, but they still, they still, the coaches they were all in on Darnold. They were all in on Darnold. The, the difference was the coaches. Jeremy coaches were, the coaches Jeremy just sucked. His, head, his OC's out of football. Yeah, they, no, there's they a actually, difference. They gave Darnold a shot, though. He was, yeah, he was the, the week di- one starter. All right, guys, I actually have a change of heart. Redskins are winning 12 games, winning the division. Um, let this, me go here. Wait, I'm let not. Trust me, it's not finished. Yeah. And. Um, even and besides drafting the best player in the draft and Chase Young, like I didn't really like any of the other moves that they made draft wise. They traded Trent Williams. I know he didn't play play last year, but they got rid of probably still their best offensive player. Maybe you could argue Brandon Scherf, but still, like they didn't they didn't really make any major moves in the offseason besides bringing in Ron Rivera. Which was a yeah. really good move, but I think it'll bring some stability to them. But, but I don't oh, think obviously, Rivera obviously, is going to single-handedly also, turn the ship around. It, it's a the thing is, it's a multi-year process, which is yeah. why I'm gonna I'm gonna take the under here. But it would it would be a Redskins move though to like cut Rivera off short, even though he's like making steps right to work yeah, the right yeah, way because yeah, he hasn't yeah. he didn't win like ten games his first year. Yes, yeah. you Spurrier won eight okay, and eight. We're, year we're one bringing in Herm Edwards. Yeah, <laughs> we're bringing in Charlie um, Custer to turn the franchise around. I don't know if I can do it with it. All right, Charles, let's bring it back. You have ten years. You have ten years to turn around the Reds. I accepted the Giants' offer. I can't well, go. I can't just take. I just, uh, yeah, uh, he is tied up in another in a prior engagement. Yeah, he is in negotiation with Gallup. Now, 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 I now I. Uh, let me ask you a question. Would you take that offer from Washington? Yes, I could turn the franchise around. Not Dan Snyder is such like a he's such a piece of shit. I would give up the next. Him. I would give up the next twenty years of first round pick, picks for Brady. And then, and then, oh, and then so you're like Mike Dicko with the Saints. Yeah. And then I'd bring, I'd bring in, I'd bring in like, <laughs> I'd bring, uh, I'd bring like Randy Moss out of retirement. And then, yeah. Tony Gonzalez. And then I would sign Ryan Loftus for left tackle. Understandable. Si- and then Pino. I would sign Ian Childs to play corner. And win the ch- um. So I still haven't given my opinion here. Five and a half just does not seem like it doesn't move the needle for me. Dwayne Haskins, I didn't like what I saw. Are we so sure that? Joe Burrow wouldn't be on the Redskins if they had the first pick. Like, I think, I don't know. I don't know how sold they are on Haskins. We saw last year it was caused a rift between Gruden and the front office. He wasn't sold on him. I certainly, he didn't do anything on the field that would make me think he's good. I mean, he's taking selfies with fans after he throws for 110 yards. And That's they, a big and win. They, like, that was, that was like his snap. first career win. I think that, that yeah, was an emotional win for the franchise. Yeah. He missed the last snap of the game. I'm just saying it's funny how he threw for like 130 yards in a pick and then like and then like won the Super Bowl. Like, Kids a winner. Yeah, but Dwayne I, Haskins, he's just he's just a purebred blue collar winner at this point. All right, so Kids you guys are taking the overs here, I guess. Then right? Yeah, I already. I'm said, saying it right now. I'm taking the over. Six and ten is coming. Clown. Six, six, wow. Can't, wow. Take wow. It. Can't take it. 
it's as much as, I, as much as I make fun of Daniel Jones for like not being able to fumble when being touched, he's still miles, miles ahead of Dwayne Haskins. I would take. I, I don't think Haskins got a fair it's shake. Not even close to me. No, Daniel, I, I, I. I think I like, Ron Rivera and Yvette's going to be good enough for them to limp to six wins. All right, six and ten, and they they show some promise, but they're still questions at quarterback. Yeah, it's not. It's right. not like the. It's Fair not enough. like out of their capability. They do have pieces on I think defense. That, I think they're gonna have a top ten defense. I mean, what really changed Ruben my pick? Coming back, Ruben Foster's a top five linebacker, one healthy. They need to who no wrong, and he's gonna come back. He's having a huge year. People that were wishing harm on Ruben Foster and saying he deserved it, uh, when he tore his ACL in practice, go fuck yourself. I hope you get your Twitter privileges removed and you never get to tweet on the fucking website again. I'll personally cover your ass and take your fucking internet. You tweet some shit like that. Uh, that 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 should never happen. The kid did nothing wrong. He's with a bad woman, and that's what happens. The kid was brought down for no reason. The 49ers cut bait too early, and he's going to have a huge comeback player of the year with Washington. Well, I guarantee well, it. For the market, two hundred fifty tackles minimum. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, but so, well, feels very strongly about the. They, team they do have they do a very good defense despite uh, despite that liability at strong safety for them. All right. All right, guys. Yeah, it's been blessed. Our four is now over. Every team, we've given you great analysis on why we think each team will win X amount of games. So you're welcome. Stay tuned. We'll be back with a documentary review. The long gone summer. Uh, yeah, stay tuned. Amazing pod. You guys, are, you guys are thankful. And we're back. So the long gone summer documentary about the 1998 home run chase between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa came out recently. And we're going to give our take on it. You know, this was a... Doc, I was super hyped for. Uh, a lot of great potential here. Obviously, this was a, a massive moment in sports history, this home run chase, kind of bigger than the sport at that time. But I feel like there's a, just a resounding sentiment of they dropped the ball on this and it wasn't as good as it could have been. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, this documentary is only going to be as good uh, as Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were in these interviews. And uh, if they if they weren't willing to uh, open up on the steroid situation deeply, and for some, actually, never mind. The direction this documentary decided to go, we're only addressing the steroid uh, aspect of this in the last fifteen to twenty minutes. I thought was a misfire. Uh, I, I thought it was just kind of like a timeline of events, just a montage of home runs. And overall, I think this really epitomized this 30 for 30 stretch ESPN just went on. They go from the last dance to Lance to be water to this. And it, 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 they got progressively worse as they went. And I was disappointed by the latter three of those I just mentioned. Yeah, like you just mentioned that um, that it really just seemed like a, like a highlight montage of Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. And they do show Ken Griffey in the beginning of it. But they're all like one of the major problems that I had with this documentary is that there were people that they could have interviewed about it that would have that I thought would have given like at least some different insight um, or some like interesting insight on the whole situation. Like Joe Buck back then was the Cardinals play by play commentator for TV, and they talked about his dad Jack Buck, who was the radio guy for the Cardinals, and how like they them two were in the booth together. I think like just hearing about that a little bit, like what it was like for for Joe Buck in that situation, or like. Being or seeing that, like that, you show they show him interviewing the two. I think that's one of the guys that they really should have like brought in to talk about this. But um, and then also one thing I hate, I'll get to you in a second, long, is that they at the end in the last fifteen minutes, once they did start to address uh the steroids, they really just put it entirely on Barry Bonds. When really like it seemed like Barry Bonds was what like his steroids was really a reaction to that summer McGuire and Sosa just like going off and seventy home runs. 
Yeah, and like I guess we could open up steroids a little bit here. Though I do want to discuss this uh, in a larger segment for a future pod. Yeah, the the way they just kind of like they showed Barry Bonds. That's how they introduced steroids into the documentary, as if McGuire and Sosa weren't on like bull hormone the whole stretch where they're hitting seventy bombs. Um, there was entertainment value in the documentary though. Just seeing like the fucking moonshots they were hitting when they were juiced up like that, like how quick it's not even like they were hit that far. It's how quickly the balls were leaving the stadium. Like it, it cuts McGuire hits it and it's instantly out. It's hilarious. It's some of the funniest shit I've ever seen in a 30 for 30. Uh, but one thing with the people they picked to interview, can Bob Costas just shut the fuck up? Like this guy has to just constantly be in the conversation about everything. Why? Like I, I, no one ages 16, that 38 gives a fuck about what Bob Costas thinks about anything at this point. This guy's one of the biggest stiffs in sports media right now. And um, baseball is kind of a game of stiffs. It's a lot of guys with like the unwritten rules and like, oh, steroids are terrible. They should fucking be like, uh, like, like hung in the middle of the town square because they did this. I don't need to hear Bob Costas take. I don't give a shit. All right. And they need, they have to stop interviewing these people that want to demonize these players for doing what everyone else is doing. Yeah, this doc, it, it didn't teach me anything new. Obviously, I didn't live during it, but I, I knew, like, what happened, how, like, the home run race went. And I just, it was just a hot, it was just a ton of highlights of home runs with just n- not many good sound bites. And uh, they just, the people in, as Ryan said, the people, like, in the doc, just not very good. Uh, you see Sammy for maybe, like, five minutes. And it's basically just, like, a, a McGuire documentary. And you don't even really ask him about how, like, steroids were and stuff like that. So, I mean, I just kind of wish that they had, like, maybe some pitchers who got, like, fucking rocked in it and see what their opinion on this and stuff like that. They just didn't have it. It seems like they didn't put that much effort into this doc, and it, it was a failure. Yeah, they, they had one pitcher that they interviewed, in, and it was the pitcher that allowed the 60-second the yeah. home run. And they, like, only talked about how he didn't like how Sammy Sosa, um, like, went to congratulate McGuire when really that season, that regular season was about them. Uh, but the other the other thing I wanted to mention was like the the people who made this documentary like just thought that they could like that we would like let it slide or just not notice that they used B roll footage from like 2019 like they'll they'll like they'll be in Wrigley Field and kids would be wearing like a Javier Baez jersey like walking into the stadium and like we wouldn't notice. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm kind of jumping on the bandwagon here, but like, I, I, I was when I, when I watched the doc, I, I was expecting something like totally different. I, I expected like 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 off trip when steroids would speak immediately in the conversation. Like, I thought it was just going to basically be like like a one on one with like Mark McGuire, just like talking about like the whole process of how he was like, introduced steroids. But honestly, it was, was kind of just like thrown in at the last minute, like which is very odd. It, it, we almost just I, before the pod we were filming. Cap, Cap and I agreed it was just like a highlight reel. Like, like I, I'm fine with watching just like Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa hit like 700-foot jacks out of the park. Like, I'm totally fine with that. But, I don't know, I was expecting more of like a deep dive into, into like the steroid culture in baseball, which is very which was very prevalent in the 90s, obviously. It was very, very interesting because we didn't get to live through that. So it would be interesting to get some like great first-hand perspectives of it. But it definitely didn't deliver on that. But, like, I didn't necessarily change the documentary. I just expected something totally different. And I was expecting more yeah. deep dive into the, into the use of steroids. I remember Loft like telling me months ago when this got advanced, like, like yeah, this is going to be pretty underwhelming if they just like gloss over the steroids. Like, this will be good if they go right into steroids, and they did exactly that. They really just pushed it aside. And I'm writing notes down for this as we're going on. I'm like, where's the steroid talk? Where's the steroid talk? Like, yeah, like I just feel you have to you have to go over the steroids. It's such a big part of this, and it's such a fascinating angle. I think if they just took that whole angle of how like how tainted is it stuff like that it would have been way better than like look how good mcguire was 
and look how we save baseball. We know they save baseball. As Cap said, like, during the Jordan doc, I learned so much, all these untold stories, all this unseen stuff. I learned a lot. Uh, I had a lot of takeaways. If you just know the if you just know the gist of what was going on, like the home run race between the two, you're not really left like blown away with all this new information. You felt like you kind of just saw you just saw the timeline. You didn't get any deep dive into what really like went on. Yeah, and I think what this comes down to is the MLB is petrified to go at Major League Baseball in any meaningful way, like because of the Sunday night baseball rights. Where like like the MLB could start like giving them shitty games for Sunday night baseball. If I was ESPN though, I'd tell uh, the MLB to go fuck themselves. They can't even get a season going right now, uh, and they want them to like be worried about Sunday night baseball. Go tell another network to buy Sunday night baseball and yeah. see what price they get. MLB needs ESPN to keep Sunday yeah. night baseball. Yeah, so like that that them being afraid to really go at C League for like allowing this to happen, uh, in the steroid thing. That that's my uh. Like least favorite thing about like these players being demonized for taking steroids, they weren't illegal in the league at the time. Selig knew what was going on and they didn't do anything. And now these guys can be kept from the Hall of Fame because of it. It's ridiculous to me. Yeah. yeah. Also, also um, unrelated, but like kind of related to steroids, so not necessarily the documentary. Like uh, Rob Parker, not like he, although like he does give a lot of shitty takes. He is a, a Hall of Fame voter and is part of the Baseball Writers of America. And he said, and he said something that, that I agreed with about um. Like people voting players into the Hall of Fame, like uh, at least they're wise. Like they were still voting for Sam, like they still voted for Sammy Sosa to win MVP in '98, right? They still voted for Barry Bonds to win MVP for four straight years from 2000 to 2001 to 2004, right? They're still they still were voting for these players for these major awards when they knew themselves that 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 they were on some shit. Everybody knew it wasn't like this, like just natural. Right, but no one still... looked at Mark McGuire and they're like, "Wow, a lot of hard work and milk." Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But they, the guys but they fucking were... forearms were were like, "All right, continue." Yeah, but they were still the thing is they were still voting for them at the time when they knew the shit was going on. Like the fact that they're like now all these people are coming like backing out of the stance saying, "Oh, like they were cheating or whatever." It's just bullshit. I mean, yeah, I think I think like, it comes on his locker. He didn't hide it at all. I think what it comes down to is, like, you play within the rules of the time. You vote MLB players in that played when, like, black people weren't allowed to play. They're just playing by the rules of the time. You're not going to, like, like not include them because what if they played when, when black people were out to play in the sport? You're not going to – there's no reason to exclude, like, like these steroid users because what if they played when they weren't allowed? They were allowed at the time, and they used them, and they were the best ones. Like, it, it comes down to they're the best of their era they should be in. Yeah, let's not act like pitchers weren't on some shit either. Exactly. Everyone was playing with the same rules at the time. Like you can, like ninety percent of the league was definitely on some shit back then. Yeah. Yeah, I think just the final takeaway is like very underwhelming. Not enough steroid talk. Not really a stimulating steroid conversation. Like we had to manufacture that for ourselves. Like no one was really. They weren't just. They just weren't giving like great steroid takes or anything. Like they just barely talked about it. How they push it on Bonds is shocking. Just shocking how like it's somehow all his fault when everyone was doing it, and it's just it's just disappointing because I think this could have been an all-time doc. Obviously, like it was a huge year for baseball. You had the Yankees 114 win regular season coming out from the 94 strike. They kept talking about the lost fans, something we've talked about with what's going on currently, and this is what ultimately saved them. And this doc, I just don't think, did the time justice. Yeah, another thing that you do notice in the doc, there's a lot of empty, empty stadiums in a lot of these clips. Like, I didn't realize how bad the aftermath of the 94 strike was 
until you, you really see that now. And I think we're going to be in a similar situation soon. Yeah. And um, going back to like the fact that we didn't really learn anything from this doc from this uh, documentary, completely agree. I wrote like, it was mostly them just like kind of just like pepper, like, um, like pandering to McGuire and Sosa and then, and then like, uh, like shitting on bonds at the end kind of for the steroids, but just I could have watched. Yeah. I could have, I could have watched like a 15 minute highlight video of like McGuire and Sosa home runs from 98 on YouTube and like gotten just as much out of it as I did from this documentary. Why couldn't they get more high profile, like stars that time, like Griffey, like bonds on the dock. Like we said, like why? Why couldn't we get? Well, I more think steel? I would understand why Bonds wouldn't want to be involved. Uh, the way they're yeah, playing them, sure. but like you saw, like the Jordan doc. I don't want to keep comparing it. They had all the stars of the era. Yeah. That was because it's Michael. Even the, the guys that got well, sold out. I mean, it's just showing that this was hastily put together. I mean, it's not like they. they, they I mean, like your A one guy here is, is Bob Costas. You got some issues at this point, like yeah, like Tony yeah. Larusa. Oh yeah, like, you're talking about how there's no interested narrative. Like classic Bob Costas coming in with the most like milk toast fucking bland take. You come out with like, there's a difference between morality and the laws of the game, and they're gonna have to live with the con- the consequences. Now, uh, thanks a fucking lot, Bob. Thanks for coming on and like putting me to sleep this whole fucking documentary. You really gave me a lot there. Thank you. Yeah. Really appreciate it, Bob Costas. Yeah, they they really. They really dropped the ball at the bunch asking of guests. the hard hitting questions. They really dropped the ball at the bunch of like with the guests. Like I mentioned, they I really think they should have brought in Joe Buck. Like they literally had clips of him interviewing Bonds and Sosa. Um, you didn't get enough pitchers, like Cap said. Um, you just didn't. You didn't even get Sealy, who was the commissioner. Yeah, back, or, or back even then. Manfred at the time, or yeah. Manfred to talk about it. Like they had no one yeah. there. Yeah, could have even could have even gone to like Bill Murray or something. Some Jose Canseco. Yeah, they fumbled the bag here. They yeah, they should have. Why didn't they bring in Jose? If they the the thing yeah. about if they went on that steroid from the the angle of steroids is they could have went back to they did brief they did mention Oakland uh, McGuire Simon yeah. Oakland and the Bashburgers with Canseco. Canseco was like the first major player to be like juiced up, like to be known to be juiced up all the time. And so here's, he definitely here's why I get not having Canseco. He's like an absolute nut. He's on Twitter talking about how. He I'll wants to it, fucking girl. penetrate Jennifer Lopez, and he's like, "Happy, happy Memorial Day to everyone besides Alex Rodriguez." Like <laughs> he has just anti A Rod slander, and they're just trying to shove him aside, similar to Kirk showing. Uh, they're just trying to throw. Uh, him uh, but I, I thought I think Kaseko's great TV though. They have him in to talk oh, about right. it. Kaseko's oh, the only guy oh. of that era to say like, "I wouldn't be anything without steroids," and that's just hilarious. He's the only guy of all the steroid users to be like, "I'd be a piece of shit bum if I didn't start taking trend." And that's hilarious. They need that guy in the documentary. Yeah. Also, also McGuire. Like, I don't. I like. I don't. A hundred percent know this, but like, you could make the assumption that McGuire like started juicing like in Oakland with Conseco or, yeah. or yeah, probably. Like, yeah, probably, almost definitely that he. Did. Oh, another thing. They kind of just gloss over how McGuire gets from Oakland to St. Louis. Yeah. Right? Like, and the same thing with, with Sammy Sosa getting to Chicago. Like, there's a lot in there that's just kind of glossed over. Like, like Mark McGuire goes from a 49 home run rookie to be traded for, from, to be traded for a bag of chips at the deadline when he started. And also, I would love to hear the end of their careers. Like, like Sammy Sosa, you know, he, he had a few big years after that, and then it was a steep decline right after. So, similar thing happened to Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire was retired three years after breaking the home run record. What happened yeah. there? Nothing. We don't know. They also had a replacement. There was a lot taken out here that 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 definitely would have added to the. They threw it in. They just they just like one sentence about it. He got hurt. Let me just add this. Let me just add this. I'm a proud Mark McGuire baseball card owner. 
proud owner of a Mark McGuire baseball card. Even when even when all these allegations came out, you know, I was like, I'm gonna keep this card. These alleg- <laughs> allegations merely. Uh, he admitted to him, no doubt. Uh, 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 all right, all right. People say there was there was some ransom involved, but yeah, that's 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 the other thing. They Mark admitted McGuire, to it who later. did nothing wrong. I'm gonna preface that. Yeah, who did absolutely. nothing? Wrong? He, no, he, he admitted steroids. to doing it, but he didn't do. But he, like again, it's not wrong. It's legal for I'm, the time. Th- th- his steroid use does not make me less proud of being a Mark McGuire baseball card owner. Yeah, fucking Big Mac hitting bombs, dude. Oh, yeah. And that was what the country the needed at the time. Yeah, they needed it. Yeah, it's just it's just ridiculous that like that they I think that they like we all mentioned ten times that they should have taken a, more of an angle at steroids. And they I also think really that glossed over how Sammy Sosa's like skin tone went down like fifteen like yeah. went up like fifteen. Yeah, yeah, he, he, also, he turned white. He turned white. Uh, also, they like didn't the even mention until the end that Sosa still won MVP over. Uh, over Maguire, even though Maguire set the record, like they get Maguire's take on that. Any, yeah, no, they they focused way more on Maguire than they did on Sosa. Like, even though Sosa was the one that like helped carry that Cubs team to the postseason that year. Yeah, one MVP. This whole thirty, this whole documentary felt very early thirty for thirty. It was like so focused on the home run race and not everything else surrounding it. I really think they should have went broader with the the steroid angle, like like their careers in general, to get them to that point. Like this could probably this should have been a multi part documentary. Yeah, and, yeah. because the, this one had a two hour time slot and they really did not use it well. No. Yeah. I mean, we're basically repeating ourselves anymore. Anyone have anything yeah. else to add? No, nope, I think we're good. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we yeah, pretty much covered everything. Uh, do we recommend this? Stuff? This is our first Absolutely overall not. negative. I, I say you, you can. I mean, you can just. It's not like boring. I mean, yeah, you could, I, I, say, I say. I guess you could. Throw, you could throw it on. You should yeah. do something while you watch it. It won't blow you away. It won't yeah. blow you away. Though. You're, you're, you're just as better off watching like a YouTube compilation of steroid error home runs. Exactly. Yeah. I kind of right. wish I did that instead. All right, we good boys. Yeah, I mean. What an we got any more Big Ben jokes? No. Big Ben, like for, Big Ben, like, getting ready to throw a deep bomb to Juju. He's like, thank God I drank 64 Keystone lights last night and drunk drove my motorcycle home with a hooker on the back. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, thank God I groped five females in the bathroom at my local bar. Thank God, <laughs> thank God I hopped on my Harley and, and hit three kids trying to drive home. All right. Thank God. Thank the Lord. God bless America. God bless America. God bless America. Peace out, guys. Thank you. Start singing. Yeah, Ryan. Yeah, watch me rip this shit. You changed my words. Not remember that. Chelsea just went off the deep end, bro.
Are we still recording? Yeah. Let's go.